0: kind of at the very beginning of this. Um, the Bible talks about giving honor to whom honor is due. And we can debate who deserves honor, but I think without question, someone who raises the right hand to, to defend the constitution of our country against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, that goes into battle, loses his life in the defense of our nation, and we can all debate which war is the right war and was it a war for this or a war for that. I, I, I want to say this to you as a, as a veteran, when, when you're a soldier, it doesn't matter what the cause is. It matters who you're standing next to. A lot of the people that, that give their lives for our country really don't give their lives for the country as much as the guy next to them. The cause is always important. The nation is important. But I, I wanted to do this before we start the day. This is Memorial Day weekend, and I want us to observe just a few moments in silence where we thank God for the people that have given us the right to shout the name of Jesus. Um, I, you've heard the story, but I was in Serbia on a street corner, and somebody stopped me and said, uh, you're speaking English, are you American? I said, yes, and he said, all of America is a terrorist. And I thought, I just wanna punch the stupid off your face. And he was in his 70s, so I thought I might be able to take him. It would be a fair fight, at least. And uh, I said, why would you say that to me? He said, because you think you're the police force of the whole world, you should just stay home. And he was upset about NATO bombing Serbia when they were committing genocide against the, the Croats, their neighbors. And, uh, and I, I, he just kept yelling at me. I kept taking it. finally, I said, sir, you speak English very well. I'm just curious. Do you speak any other languages? He said, no. I said, do you speak any German? He said, no. I told you I don't speak any other languages. I said, do you know why you don't speak German? He said, why? I said, because America is the police force for the whole world. Because we keep people from killing each other all over the planet and have since 1776. Because the, the blood of my countrymen... It rests on the soil of your nation to bring peace to this nation. In World War One and World War Two, that's why you don't speak German. So I'd rather you just said thank you to me. And he drew back, and I thought, I'm going to get beat up by an old man in, in Belgrade. And I said, I have one more question for you. And I said, what's that? He said, what do you think of the Serbian people? And I said, I like them very much. They're very kind. Your food's terrible, but your, your people are very kind. And he pats me on the cheek and says, okay, you can stay. So, and I did. So let's just take a moment and just thank God and pray for our nation, pray for our leadership. There will always be a cause bigger than us to give ourselves to God. There always will be. There will always be a war to fight. Until heaven is our home, there will always be a battle. There will always be a conflict. Um, Pacifism makes perfect sense until tyranny rolls over a continent, and someone has to stop them. So we thank you for righteous men, righteous women that have gone before us, that have given their lives so that we can sit here today and shout the name of Jesus without fear of somebody busting through the back door and taking us to prison. We thank you that our nation's been preserved because borders have been guarded by men and women with weapons. They, they have served us so well, and many of them have lost their lives, God. And we just pray for their families, pray for their generations to come Pray for the dreams that never got a chance to be fulfilled, that, that their, their dream of a free country would continue, their dream of liberty and life and the pursuit of happiness would continue. God, all the way from the first revolution to the conflicts that we're still involved in today, God, those who are downrange, we pray for them. Make them quick, make them accurate, and bring them home safe and sound to a country that's grateful for their service. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen, amen. just want you to know that at the end of service today, you're going to be given an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. But at the end of the service today, there's going to be a line that we're going to draw, and it's going to be drawn through a baptismal tank. It's going to be drawn through a decision that you yourself will make. No one will make it for you. No one will force you to do anything. You're like, man, what kind of church do I walk into? One that loves God and understands that there is a line between loving God and not loving God, obeying God and, and disobeying God. We are not dogmatic by any stretch of the imagination. I think we're one of the most loving houses I've ever had the privilege of being a part of. But I will tell you this, regardless of how loving we are, there's still right and wrong. There's still good and there's still evil. So I want you to know something. We're gonna finish up a series today. We've been talking about how to fight from our backs, outnumbered by culture. How is it that we can be effective, as the early church was, when they were outnumbered 42,000 to one? How do we take the disadvantage and like Sun Tzu said in The Art of War in 536 BC, how, how do we take our disadvantage and make it an advantage? When the early church, 120 people versus five million Roman citizens, when, when they when they took on as an illegal outlawed message the propagation of the gospel to the planet, how in the world did it go from an executable offense and in the third century, 2, 212 AD, so early, I mean 150, 170 years um, after the gospels first preached, that Christianity becomes the primary religious system of the Roman Empire that once outlawed it. How did we learn to fight so well from our back, and what does that have to do with our lives today? Uh, It's funny, that 42,000 to one, I don't know if you know this, but the odds have gotten better. Just in our fellowship, known as the Assemblies of God, 13,000-ish churches, a little bit over 13,000 in the United States but a global movement that's happening all over the world that just with the Assemblies of God, so that's not the Baptists, that's not the Catholics, that's not the Methodists. just just the the group that we fellowship with, just bound together by 16 tenets of faith. We're not a denomination. We have no pope, although we have nothing against any any pope or any religious leader. We're literally a spirit-led group of congregations that says we believe these 16 things and we come together in unity around these 16 truths. The Bible is the word of God. There's one true God. Man needs redemption. The fall of man, the soon return of Jesus Christ. The, The basics, if you will, of Christianity, the gifts of the Spirit are for today. That now, those odds from 42,000 to 1, just with the Assemblies of God, it's down to 100 to 1. That in the world today, one out of every 100 people on the planet attends an Assemblies of God church. Is that just weird? Doesn't that feel like, how many guys know there's seven times more Assemblies of God churches than there are McDonald's in the world? Again, this is just our small corner in the kingdom that, that is a broad and expansive kingdom. So there remains a question how? How in the world has it gone from you know, uh, 42,000 to one down to 100 to one, or, or maybe, it's, I, maybe it's three to one, maybe it's, uh, you know, 70 to one, we don't, we don't really know. But in previous weeks, what we've said is that the early church focused on shining and not shouting. When they, when they found the manifestation of hell, they brought heaven to it. When they found hungry people, naked people, orphans, widows, people without, instead of saying someone should do something about that, they became the someone who did something about that. They, they were shiny, they weren't shouters. You don't shout when your message is illegal. You just shine. And, and man, I, I, I hate to beat up on social media for the 19th time this morning, but some of you do well to get that crap off your phone. My microphone just clipped out. Um, <laughs> let me say, that. you do well to get that crap off your phone, because it's weird I, I, Jason fixed that way. There's just junk that we don't need to be a part. Listen, if you would take the same amount of energy in shining as you do shouting, we'd be a better off play, place, a better off people, right? I, I, I'm all for Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and everybody, that, but no one, no one tells you what's happening. They all tell you their commentary on what's happened, and what they want. Do we need that? Listen, our King is speaking, and we dare not miss His voice. It is time for us to reserve ourselves, as the early church did, to be shiny versus shouty. Right? You still here? They loved each other. We talked about this two weeks ago. They love each other as they've been loved by Jesus. Jesus has this whole new standard of, of not just being friendly and not just being kind, not just being generous, but being so much of those things that he was willing to lay down his life for his friends. And just before he does, he says, the way I've been loving you guys for the last few years, a new commandment I give you. I've set an example for you. This is the way you're supposed to live. I created you for community like this. The grace of the community, the power of the community, the, the mercy, the second chances and third chances and hundredth chances, the seven times 70 chances per day that Jesus taught and lived. How many guys know the graciousness of God to walk with man in that proximity and not kill them all? Come on. We've got, we've got tax collectors and, and fishermen and zealots and, you know, what does a zealot who hates Rome and a tax collector for Rome have in common? The answer, Jesus and nothing else. They hated each other. They were antithesis to each other, and Jesus goes, okay, you and you, and they went, well, I'm not following if he's going. Right? He had to bring everybody together. He loved them all equally despite of where they came from, until they became one unit. And he said, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And last week we talked about they just simply obeyed the command to sow the seeds of the Word of God. And and they they let the soil dictate what happened to the seeds. They just, they just said, here's the truth, and here's life, and here's love, and here's the message of the cross, and here's the power of the blood of Jesus, and here's the empty tomb. And whatever you do with it, it's up to you in your heart. You can get the rocks out of your own soil. I can't do it for you. It's your heart. It's your soil. It's your rocks. If you want you know, seeds that don't bear fruit, then don't worry about it. But if you want seeds of the kingdom, when the message of the kingdom comes, you can't have trampled down spots that are hard so it can just be stolen. You can't have weedy life. You can't have rocks. Like, it's your soil. And he, and he taught them this is what we're going to do. it. So we're going to follow Jesus into battle for the souls of men. I'll tell you this. You're is going to be tested. Let's camp here for a second your all will be tested everybody say all I'll make sure we understand what we're talking about Deuteronomy 6.4 the, the Jews call it the Shema it's Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad it's the hear Israel the Lord our God is one love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your might well what's he saying he's saying all he, he's saying everything he's not saying part of and this and, and the leftovers And he's not saying give God what's left he's saying give God what's right come on there's an all to this. And here's, I want to tell you this morning about following Jesus, your all will be tested. Through the centuries of the church, many have had to lay down their all so that all could see, so that all could hear. Um, all was necessary. There may be, and I don't, I don't mean to make this like we should all be prepared to die, but Jesus is gonna say it for me in a minute that we're supposed to be picking up a cross and not a cushion, amen? So not everyone who wanted to follow Jesus, I want you to hear me, was able to do so. They, they wanted to. You know, there's the miracles, there's the food, there's the, you know, there's the cool stuff. There's the powerful statements. There's the thought of, of, you know, overthrowing Rome. This is our new Moses. It was political. It was motivational. It was healing. No one ever heard him speak. And when, you know, blind eyes are open, that's a cool thing. People followed him. And when they got hungry, he fed them. And when they're on the other side of the lake, he'd just walk across it. I mean, he just, he was everywhere doing everything. It was amazing. But occasionally, Jesus would literally stop, turn around, and say something that made most people leave. Come on, hear me. It's important we understand this. Remember we talked about the seeds of the word of God are non-genetically modified. They're they're non-GMOs, right? So he would stop every once in a while and say, I want to make sure you're following me, not following the science. I'll make sure you love me, not the loaves and the fish. I want to make sure that your your allegiance is to me, not just to my message, not just to the things that happen when I speak. Like in the end, I'm going to test, like there will be times when God doesn't speak and will you follow him? There'll be times when there are no loaves and fish and will you trust him? There'll be times of great need when you're planting a church or going through a tough time or whatever it is where where the the question is not, you know, do you love my provision? The question is, do you love me in spite of the lack? Come on. There's going to be tested, and the same's true today. Uh, And this is just the the verdict here. If there's anything we love more than Jesus, there will be a test on that. How many guys like it when the teacher says at the beginning of class there's going to be a test on this? So write it down because this will be on your test. I promise you. That whatever is in your life that may want to sit on the throne of your preferences, the throne of your worship, the throne of your preeminence, the throne of where you make your decision, where you gain your identity, I promise you if there's something on that throne that's not Jesus, Jesus will test it. And he will prove to you through the failure or success of that test where you stand with him. Now, please hear me today. I'm not talking about salvation today. I'm talking about holiness I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about growing to the place of producing fruit. It will be tested, and this test is not designed to cause you to turn back in failure. It's designed to reveal to you. Have you ever gone through something hard and then on the other side of it realized, I just failed that test? Like, What's it like in Mark chapter 4 when they're going across the lake and the storm comes up and, and they're bailing, and they're screaming, and they're barking orders, and the fishermen know they're dead, and, and the tax collector hopes he can swim, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus walks, he's asleep on the cushion, Peter wakes him up, you don't care, we're dying, Mr. Water Walker, and you don't, he uses his character to Jesus' face, you know, a screaming, dying man, you don't care if we drowned Jesus doesn't say, yes, I do, here's a hallmark I've thought of you, He stands up, he's in the back of the boat, and he says he walks to the front. In other words, he walked past every single one of these terrified men that knew they were dying, and God had failed them, and he says, peace be still, and it's calm. And he turns around and says, listen, you failed the test. The test was not about whether or not you could swim. The test was not about how much this boat can stand. The test was whether or not you trusted me in the middle of your storms. You failed, but I have good news. You'll all be tested again soon. (laughs) <laughs> Let me show you one of these instances. Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. What size is the crowd? Large. So when the Bible says large, it, 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 if it's a, a reasonable number, it'll say there were a thousand, right? How many loaves and fish fed how many people? How many? So it uses words like as many as the sands of the seashore, when we're probably into like the millions or billions. But when it says a large crowd, it doesn't mean this. This would not be a large crowd. Large crowds are when people look around, and say, how many are there? Like I don't know. It, it was a large crowd. Otherwise, they say, well, there's about 300 people gathered or there's 120 in the upper room or these round numbers they are looking around the room saying, oh, there's probably 120 people in this section, right? So when it says a large crowd, we're talking about thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people following him. And turning to them, he said, I'm really proud of you guys. You're giving up your old ways. You're progressing nicely. Hugs, kisses, Jesus. Is that what he says? Look what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, does not hate Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even hate their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their lethal injection, their loaded pistol, their electric chair, their noose, their cross, and be prepared to die at a moment's notice and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting what Jesus just said to a crowd of people? He had to shout it. It wasn't like, hey, come here. This is between me and you. It's going to be harder than you think. I'm going to test you right now. Are you willing to die for me? Are you willing to live for me? Are you willing to leave, leave everybody behind? He doesn't. He shouts to a crowd. Now, can I just by a guesstimate? If the crowd was ten thousand people, how many people do you think are left at the end of that sentence? And isn't it interesting too that Jesus doesn't explain it? Well, what I mean by hate is he says, "Hate. You don't hate your mama. You don't hate your daddy. You don't hate your own kids, your own family. If you are not willing to leave it all, because at a moment's notice I say die." Don't bother taking another step. Now, some of you are wondering what kind of church you just walked into, aren't you? Like, huh, okay. Thanks for that. I feel edified. But to understand this, you have to understand the culture in which it's said it's a culture of allegiance. You have to pledge allegiance like we do to our flag or to our Constitution. There's an allegiance to Caesar, and he's breaking an, an idolic covenant to, to make it the way it was supposed to be from the Garden of Eden on. Are you still here? So he's saying to them, listen, you cannot give to Caesar what you will not give to me and follow me. You you have to be willing to hate, to die. And the word hate doesn't mean I hate you. I hate you. It doesn't mean that. It means this, that in comparison, if you had to choose one or the other, the choice would be simple. If you love one and hate the other, you you choose the one that you love. Because I want to make sure that you understand that the price of following me will not be paid by me feeding you and, and you following me and, and seeing the miracles. That, that isn't what makes you a disciple. What makes you a follower of mine, what makes you a disciple of mine is much richer, much deeper, more, more exclusive, a covenant than, than going to watch P.T. Barnum do his thing. I'm not a circus master, I'm the Lord of salvation, and there's a narrow road that stands between me and eternity, you and eternity. You have to live this way, and if you're not willing to make me preeminent in your choices, preeminent in your heart, preeminent even above your family, above your mama, above honoring your mo- Listen, the same God who said honor your father and mother is the same God who said, listen, unless they don't honor me. Yeah, it's a wonderfully quiet church this morning. You say, well, that, that seems kind of radical, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm just quoting what Jesus said. You can do anything you want with it. I'm just scattering seed. The condition of the soil, the seed contacts is really up to you. But before we make our final decisions about rejecting these words, let's take a look and realize that most of us, if not all of us, have gone through this process for other things. For example, husbands and wives, in order to become successful at your marriage, you've both had to die to what you were when you were single. Jim Will you take Dina to be your lofty wedded wife to live solely under her so long as you both shall live? Well, when you mean solely under her, you mean I can still have my girlfriends, right? I mean, no, that's a bad marriage. Blending all sympathies and interests, and hey, with all my worldly goods at the endow. Hey, listen, you can have the debt, but I'm keeping the car. Car's mine. I want to make sure that's clear in our marriage vows. That's not a marriage. That's not even a good contract. That's a sucker getting taken, right? If you are a good husband or a good wife, you no longer do the things you once did. You don't live like you're single anymore because you're married. You've died, you get this, to the single life. Matter of fact, when it comes to loving her or loving him, you have to hate the single life, if you will, in comparison to being married, to be successfully married. you see what I'm saying? So if you're married and you're successfully married, you're in love and it's been 20 years or however old, 20 minutes, I don't care, but you're married, you're married because you died. You hated something in preference of something else. You died to it so you can live to something else that's superior. You're still here. My son said something interesting the other day. We were going by a golf course or something. He said, I haven't played golf in six years. I'm like, why? What, what happened six years ago? Anybody guess what happened six years ago? He got married. And I said, well, why don't you go? Because, he hey, listen, she wants me to go golfing. I, I'm, she's like, hey, you need more time. Go golfing. We've got the money. You know, if you can find the time, and I'll stay home with the kids and stuff. I mean, my daughter-in-law, when I say my perfect daughter-in-law, I'm not kidding. My daughter-in-law is perfect my son. My son is a better man because of his wife. But he has died To the single, it's my time, my money, my sport with my friends. The last time he went golfing was his bachelor party when he had friends and had money and had time, (laughs) as a single man does. He gave all that up because he'd much rather be Lauren's husband and Hollis's father. Does this make sense? So he died. Does this make sense to you? So, man, Jesus is asking for a lot, no more than you asked of your spouse. No more than your children would demand of you. This, this is not some supernatural. This is ongoing. We understand this stuff, right? Look at this. Um, uh, students, in order to become a professional, you had to die to your own schedule, budget, friends, sleep, and cafeteria food became their substitute for mom's cooking. Well, that's how you get there. A friend of mine, Austin, he's studying to be a, a pediatric neurosurgeon. You need a college degree just to say it. And every time I see him, how you doing, Austin? Oh, I'm really doing good. i good. I got a 3.9. I'm on the dean's list. I'm like, are you okay? Oh, yeah, just pre-med. <laughs> you know? It's just, when's the last time he slept? He's like, what month is it? He's had, it's, it's cost him some things. His, his romantic life has had to adjust to his student life, and but it's okay. Only another 15 years and he'll be there. <laughs> right? The sacrifices aren't over with. And then he's going to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. So... But that's, I guess what I'm saying is he feels in his heart that's what God has created him to be, and there's sacrifices in being what God's created you to be. Right? How about this one? Entrepreneurs. No one who hasn't built a company could possibly understand. It drives me nuts. I watch people that are employees with... You know, of entrepreneurial enterprise. You know, he he comes and goes as he pleases. She does whatever she wants. It's like, you have no idea. Take your hourly wage, shut your pie hole, or start your own company. You have no idea. It's like the 15-year-old saying, well, someday when I'm a dad, I won't treat my kid that way. It's like, yes, you will. Maybe worse. I'm actually doing it well. (laughs) You know, there's no such thing as a successful soldier who hasn't given up his life to be a soldier. There's no such thing as a successful MMA fighter that hasn't given up everything to become a successful MMA fighter. Uh, there are doctors, lawyers, uh, entrepreneurs, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives. They, you have to give up everything to become what they were, right? So when Jesus says, Follow me and make this such a priority that there's no competition in your heart for other things, as if it were hate, as I have no this is where I'm going. I'm married. I would never think of dating that girl. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I would never think about quitting and leaving all these families on their I'm own. A, I'm a mother. I would never think, well, I think about it constantly, but I would never do you know, sell my kids for organ donations. I would never, right? You wouldn't do that because that's who you are. I'm called to it, it's a choice I've made. I've died to what I was to live to what I am. So when Jesus says, follow me, he's not saying, hey, add me to your life. Hey, when you're really in trouble, pray. He's saying every day, every moment, as if you're married, as if you're in pre-med, as if you just had kids, as if you're an entrepreneur. This is what you wake up thinking. This is what you work on all day. This is what's important. This is what takes priority. Are you getting this? And there's no such thing, guys, as a follower of Jesus who hasn't had to die to themselves to succeed as his disciple. This is not asking too much. This this is a statement that Jesus made, and thousands said, Thanks anyway. This is a statement that I make, and there may be some here today that say, Thanks anyway. I, I literally had a kid one time. She submitted herself to a discipleship process that was pretty intense. And you had to witness every day. She called me and said, hey, I have to quit the program. I said, why? She goes, I, I just can't do it. It's too hard. I said, I'll come over. We'll just find some random victim walking down the street and tell them about Jesus. It's, it's not that hard. She said, oh, it is hard. And, and so, I, I said, so I went over. and we, we talked to some some lady that was a witch. It turned out not to be the best way to teach her how to witness to somebody. You know, it's like, oh, all the... Axe murderers were, you know, in jail today. I guess we ended up with a witch that was firmly convinced in her, in her witchcraft. And it was, it was a great conversation. But it, she's like, see, that's why I don't want to do this. And she was, at the end of this, she said this to me. She said, I, is, can I just be a normal Christian? <laughs> well, what does that mean? I just want to go to church on Sunday. I just want to be baptized at some point when I realize I'm old enough. I just want to give a few monies, volunteer a few hours, Love a few folks. I just want to be a normal Christian. I said, do me a favor. I want you to read the book of Acts. And from the book of Acts, I want you to tell me what a normal Christian's life is like. She got to about the fourth chapter and said, never mind. I don't want to be a normal Christian. <laughs> Matter of fact, I may not want to be a Christian. Now, let me say this to you. That choice is yours. I can't take it for you. But I want you to know something. Sprinkling Jesus on your eggs is not lordship. Needing Jesus versus serving Jesus, that, that's not lordship either. There will be times in our lives where it's as if Jesus is walking along and turns, wait, uh, can I raise attention? You don't hate your mama. You can't follow me anymore. Listen, if you trust your bank account more than you trust me, you can't follow me anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test every idol of the hearts of men until I alone have preeminence in their life. If you're not ready for that journey, if, if your sexuality, if your pleasure... If your pride, if your fear, if your greed, if your lust is greater than me, then you should stop right here until such a time as you're ready to die to those things that are killing you. Anyone who wants to continue to follow, follow me. Right? Like, dang, I thought this was going to be a nice church. The reason is this, guys. We're, We're called to touch lepers. We're called to go after people that nobody else wants. We're we're called to to pursue the addict, to to pursue the confused, to pursue the habitually terminal. We are called to go after people that nobody else wants and love them as Jesus loves them. And heaven's applauding. Can you hear it? Everybody that rode your motorcycle, like, dang it. (laughs) Kelly's like, my windows are down in my truck. Okay, Kelly. Hey, it's too late now, kid. It's to swim home. (laughs) sacrifice not just loving we're supposed to be sacrificing for them you guys ever hear about the hospital that was built by the atheist me neither <laughs> You ever hear about the orphanage that was built by the agnostic yeah me neither there's a hurting world that we've been called to with who we are our time our talent our treasure while everyone else is building their kingdoms we're supposed to be building his you know what I'm saying? We're called to that. That's not something we do a, a week during a trip. That's our life. We're always looking for the investment of God in, into his kingdom, into people. We're devoted to community. Now, let me just say this to you. Outside those doors today as you leave, I mean, you, know, you want to be baptized and there? You going to be sprinkled? Just walk outside. <laughs> Sound man, turn me up if you would, please. That's going to help. Let's just wait. <laughs> All I know is heaven's clapping. You should be amening. Outside the doors today, there's sign-up for groups. You know, part of this journey is we're called to do it in community. Now, I can't hear you, so you got to have to amen a little louder. Because <laughs> you, you didn't amen most of the first time otherwise, too. Hear me. We, we are not to be islands. This whole thought of I'm going to read the Bible by myself, pray in isolation uh, other than devotional prayer, my, my gifts belong to me, that, that's all brand new. Since Gutenberg invented the printing press, the public reading of Scripture has gone down to, we have a slide or two, but we are supposed to be understanding Scripture together. We're supposed to be in community. I had a gathering at my home a few years back of some of the best men I know. I asked them one question. I got my dry erase board, and I just said this, how did you become you? To a man, every single one of them said, it happened in community. No one said, for a year I locked myself away. For a year, I read the Bible all alone. For a year, I prayed differently than I pray now. Nobody said that. Everybody said, at some point in my life, I got involved with a group of men that loved Jesus, and I was discipled in that group. To a man, they said, if it wasn't for that group, my marriage, my ministry, my business, my life, I was discipled in community. Everybody say community. If you're not in community, I don't mean you work with other Christians at the cubicle three doors down. I mean, if you're not growing together, if iron's not sharpening iron, you need to be involved in a group. You say, I don't know what groups are or where they are. Right outside the door. Sign up for it this morning. All summer long, dedicate yourself to that fellowship, to that process. You'll be different by September than you are now. That's the way it works. Iron sharpens iron. Passing each other in the hallway. Good morning, iron. Good morning, iron. Nothing happened. Hey, you kind of suck. Hey, this Bible verse is calling you out. Hey, what's God saying to you today that you're not obeying? My wife's sermon about being obedient, man, I've heard more people say that sermon still bothers me because until that moment, I got good at kind of ignoring what God was saying to me and Dina just called it out and I'm like, now I have to deal with it because it's not just me, Dina knows it too. (laughs) Guys, we're called to holiness. That, That field, that soil, I can't change it. I can't change yours. Your wife, your husband, your kids, they can't change yours. Only you can take the rocks out of your field so that seeds germinate and go deep and produce fruit. Only you, only you, only you. This is your heart, this is your soil, this is your life. Holiness has gotten a bad rap, like holiness is I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with girls that do. That's not holiness. Holiness is I am separated unto Christ alone. And whatever seed hits that doesn't bear fruit, I find out why. Why am I not growing in this area? Why am I not getting deeper? Why, why am I the same person today as I was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? It's not, the problem's not the seed. Come on, the problem's not the seed. If you are where you've been, the problem's not the seed. The problem's the soil. Get that junk right. In baptism. Let me just say this to you. I want to say it very plainly, but I want to say it concisely, okay? Don't you even think about getting in that tank. Don't you even consider it an option unless you count the cost of following Jesus. This is not joining the church. You're not being baptized in the Assemblies of God or Freedom Center Church. You are standing before an audience of one saying from this day forward, my life, my death, and my resurrection are at your disposal. You're my king. Not my president, that I vote for every new every four years. Until you die or until I die, I serve you alone. It's a very different covenant than the political one that we have. Ben, come up here and join me if you would. This is the outward physical act that consummates an inward miracle. If I, the, the best way is also the worst way for me to describe it to you. And when, when someone's married, they exchange words. They say, I will take you to be my wife. I'll take you to be my husband. They exchange gifts. The word covenant becomes a gift covenant, and a ring goes on the finger, symbolic of the covenant. So when someone says, hey, you know, she's kind of cute. Hey, he's kind of handsome. They look down on the hand. They realize they're not looking for the miracle. They're enjoying the one that God's given them. But that night, usually that night, there's a, there's a different covenant, a blood covenant that's established as, as the physiologies are exchanged, as a, as a bodily consummation, an inward vow that became a verbal thing, that became a gift thing, becomes a blood thing. That tank is an outward act that consummates an inward covenant. Does that make sense? That's wedding day. That's not baptism. That's wedding day. That's covenant. When, when Austin got accepted into the pre-med program, he knew walking into it, it's going to take everything I have or I shouldn't try. When, when you walk into marriage, it's going to take everything you have or you shouldn't lie to your, this, this person standing across from you at the altar. When, when, when you are an entrepreneur, it's going to take everything you have to build this company, and no one's going to understand but other entrepreneurs. Even your employees are going to say, "Well, I mean, people you give a job to will look back at you like you're like you're selfish." It's crazy. No one knows it, but the people that are married, that are in pre med, started a company, or whatever your dynamic is. I mean, everything you've given yourself to, others may not understand, but you have to be who you are. That tank, not everybody's going to understand, but you have to follow Jesus. And every once in a while, it's good for us to stop and have him turn around and say, wait, 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 wait. I know you like this church. I know it's friendly. I know the music's good. I know the pastor's extraordinarily handsome and humble, which is an odd, odd combination. But that's about death and the life that comes after it. That's about taking everything you are, just like it was on your wedding day, and saying, I give you this, all of this, I have some people today that would like to be baptized. At least they did before I preached. I want to say this to you. I told you at the beginning that at the end of the service today, you'd be given a chance, an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and to follow him with that life. So this invitation is not just for those who've already signed up and would like to be baptized. This is for anybody here that realized what I've given to God is less than what he deserves. It's less than what he's asked for. It's, it's, It's less than what I have. If my all is being tested and I failed and you've not been baptized, or you're, let me just say this again, I want to be very careful. If you were baptized as a child, God bless your parents and God bless the, 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 the clergy that did it. In scripture, the way I understand it, the way I read it, um, I, I don't see babies being baptized, although we have nothing against babies being baptized. How many of you guys have heard that a thousand times? You're starting to believe it. But as an adult, when I realized that, that this is true north and I'm going this way, and I, and I realize the disparity between the direction of my life. Sorry to everybody in this section. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. The Cox family are just so wrong. all over there, right? I, but I, I realize my life belongs here. And I'm willing to die to anything that I was heading towards over here to go the place that Jesus is calling me. If you realize right now at this stage of your life that the God you've been following may not exist or the God you've been following is now, now turned to you in this moment, so wait, 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 before you take another step. Let's make one thing perfectly clear. You can't just follow me in your hard times. You can't just follow me because you like me. You can't date me. There's a covenant that's required that requires your death. I've already done my part in that death. God's not asking you for something he hasn't been willing to do himself. I've already died. I already have risen to life in this new life waiting for you to respond. And today, if you're ready to do that, they're going to give you that opportunity. So I didn't come prepared to get I don't have a towel if you walk outside today you're going to get wet anyway and we brought a bunch of towels I'm wearing white that might be a problem we'll wrap a towel around you you can be baptized with a towel you can even keep the towel if you want but don't you dare leave this room without having made the commitment that your king requires to follow him come on I'm not going to make this easy for you you know why? because wrestling makes you stronger I'll just wait to the, I'll just kind of, maybe some. Now, I don't know when the next time's coming. I don't know if we have a next time. I know this. If something's moving in your heart that says today, then today's the day. Now, then now's the time. Here, then here's the place. But I want my grandma to be here. Take pictures, put it on social media, and then delete the program. Your king says come. But only those who are willing to, to live on this side of the line leaving all their other stuff back there are allowed to follow him. Father, I pray that today, I feel like today the Holy Spirit said, now stop, turn to the crowd, and say what Jesus said, and we've done that. I don't know who responded. I don't know who followed anyway and shouldn't have. I don't know who that day just said it's too hard to follow. I don't know who said that, said I'll I'll take it. If if I have to break my allegiance to Caesar and Rome and this world to be a follower of King Jesus, then I will do so. I don't know. Bible doesn't say, but I pray that today, by your grace and by the person of the Holy Spirit moving on each of us, it's time for us to get in that tank and say, all, here is my all. And I pray there wouldn't be a demon in hell, a fear in our souls, a tradition that we couldn't break, God, to obey our King. You are worthy of it all. They like to sing it. Now let us live it.